This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Connells podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth brings you quality hunting clothing and packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at HuntworthGear.com. Today's podcast, we're talking with Aaron Blisey, so he hosts the fall podcast, and you know he has killed booners, like legit booners with a bow, but is yet to step one foot, one hunt, one day on public. And uh, we talked a little bit about this at the Total Archery Challenge, and I thought it would be a good conversation for guys to hear um, because there's a lot of guys that are going from small properties and, and they're starting to go on to public, and they have their own reservations. And so here we've got a guy that's got the skills, or maybe he's just got the property, right? We get into that on the podcast that maybe it's just the area he just gets to he's one of these must be nice guys right but um as you listen that's not the case um but if he's having trepidation moving on to public land there's got to be guys out there that you know maybe haven't killed their first year maybe uh, haven't killed a buck uh that have the same sort of issue so we kind of talk through all of that as well as his ohio hunt and uh kind of uh, a preface to the skill set that he does have and kind of applying what he already knows to, um, you know, the big, bad public land monster. Um, it's, it's amusing to me. So it was a really fun podcast. Um, real quick, got to give a shout out to Glenn Harper. Uh, so his buddy Quentin was our, one of our patrons from last week. And, uh, he was the first guy out of Texas and Glenn is out of Houston, Texas. And he is looking to, um, kill some axe deer stalking them on the ground. And he's wondering about a guest for, for that. So if anybody has anybody that they can point me to, um, maybe I'll try and get Zach back on here, uh, from the hunting public to talk about, uh, 
you know, spot in stock and, and that sort of thing. But if anybody's got a guess, please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, but thank you so much, Glenn, uh, for signing up. Now you're, I sent you the link for the Marco Polo group. We've been talking about goals, um, and things like that in there. And, uh, that's going to be next week's podcast, uh, going into that. But, you know, Patreon is a crowdfunding for creators. It allows us to do things like the cookout that we had at uh, TAC. It allows us to go to TAC. It allows us to take care of the nuts and bolts of this show, all the hosting, the website, um, all of that stuff. And basically, um, we try and give back as much as we can. So, you know, Huntworth is giving away one of their rain uh, suits uh, that I really love. Um, I'm actually sitting here in their waffle hoodie right now because of it's cold in my basement. Yeah, it's 95 degrees out, but I'm I'm chilly. Uh, first world problems. Uh, but they're giving away one of their rain suits and then one of the packs that I used um, at the Total Archer Challenge. A perfect mobile hunting day pack. You know, um, nothing you're going to carry meat on or anything like that. They do have one of those. Um, but just a great hunting backpack. It, it'll hold your saddle platform. It'll hold your sticks. Um, all the things that you need. They're giving away that. We're giving away, you know, Spartan Forge. Um, I was just looking at Spartan Forge tonight, and Spartan Forge is artificial intelligence for the deer woods, military grade um, artificial intelligence, for lack of a better term. Um, I know Bill doesn't like that, but it's predictive deer movement, so it tells you like when to be in the woods, what what the predominant winds are, what the deer will be doing on certain days historically from collar deer data. But they now have UAV, you know, airplane photography. So the imagery is just incredible. Like if you're using any of the other maps, I always check Spartan Forge to see the most detailed map, the most up-to-date. And they're updating that, you know, almost daily. Um, it's crazy to look down and see. I can see where my car is. I can look at John's house and see where his Jeep is. I can see all of that like clear as day from that. So SpartanForge.ai, check that out. You can go online, um, not on the app, uh, sign up, use code BOWHUNTER and save 25%. Uh, but they give away one of their year subscriptions. Um, Redline, we had uh, Eric on the podcast, you know, talk to um, Weston and the crew uh, while I was at TAC, actually had to uh, tighten up one of my sites and uh, you know went and talked to those guys. And they're giving away one of their RL2 packages along with uh, a quiver and a stabilizer. Um, they're giving away that. Uh, we're giving away a GearHead T24 for my friends at Bowhunter Planet. Um, you know, they get them, they shoot a couple sites. Dave said says, this is a pretty sweet bow. <laughs> and then they, they got this pile of bows so we're working with them to kind of re rehome some of those bows we're giving away one of those um you know lucky buck they give away either a thing of uh, a tub of lucky buck or a tub of their seed you know all this stuff we're doing uh through patreon uh to give back uh because we appreciate the support and it's like 17 cents a day 30 cents a day so if you're getting that much value out of it um and you know you want to be part of the community that we're building, you know, through Marco Polo and, um, you know, up at the total archery challenge. And now we've got, uh, putting together a Patreon hunt, um, here in Michigan in our, uh, area going to be some public land, like, you know, we're talking about on this podcast. Um, and just, you know, to go have that deer camp, to have that feel, to, to kind of hang out and, you know, 
be with your buddies, give people some some ribbon. We you can see how short Tim Clark really is, um, but. <laughs> all that stuff. We're going to be doing that, you know, and that's all through Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. And, you know, this year, I think uh, later on in the year, we're going to be giving away one of those adjustable red dot sites. Um, I've talked with Tim about that. Um, just got my dad set up with one. I need to get him, um, you know, he wasn't there when we set it up. So it, it takes a little bit of doing. Uh, but, I mean, my six-year-old daughter's shooting it lights out you know go on tiktok you can see that video she's shooting shooting really well and um just just a a great site for target acquisition or if you're a little bit older and you're having a hard time picking up the the target or seeing the pins any of that stuff quick acquisition so all that stuff through patreon this podcast though with aaron um is really good like i say for guys that are getting ready to go on to public, um, you know, here you've got a guy, this would be a little bit disarming. So if you've got any sort of fears or, you know, nervous, you're uncomfortable going out on public land, here's the guy who kills giant deer. And he's like, I don't know if I want to go out on public. Uh, and we talk through all the things that, uh, that he's concerned about, but you know, all that Patreon stuff aside, if, um, that's not for you. No big deal. Uh, just like Quentin, just tell your buddy about the podcast. Just say, Hey, you know, I, I want to hunt some public this year. Listen to this podcast and you know, we can do this. It's, it's, it's not this super huge, uh, elephant in the room, right? Um, just tell somebody about the podcast. I know you guys are going to enjoy this one. Thank you for listening. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast. And, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever had one of those, quote unquote internet friends where, you know, you, you talk online and then, um, you know, maybe you have a phone call here and there. And, uh, this is a guy that I really respect. I think, um, he's doing everything at a, at a high level. Um, and on some, <laughs> in some ways he's living the life that everybody wants to, right. I mean, it's, it's work for him, but, uh, He's doing uh, everything that we want. Uh, Aaron Blisey from the Fall Podcast is joining me today. So, how are you doing, Aaron? Dude, I'm doing good. Um, I appreciate having me on. I yeah, we've been. You know, we met. I think face to face for the first time in what 2019 at at Tech at Boyne, but it was like in passing. Like, like I was leaving. Like, hey, how yeah. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we we met like you said, internet friends before that, and then that was like the first time we got to handshake as you're going on the mountain i'm coming off the mountain and then you know we just spent a lot more time at tech you know basically three days together that and that was a lot of fun you know and and getting to know you and john and and all the guys and hanging out with the latitude guys and man you guys put on a hell of an after after party that was a lot of fun and greg litzinger can't forget him we had a lot of fun with him too so dude i Appreciate your friendship, and I respect the hell out of you as well, dude. You're, you know, a, a fellow Michigander that is doing big things, dude. And, and uh, thank you for having me on. Yeah, no problem. And um, real quick, just uh, because I was I was thinking about it, um, I, I got to thank uh, Joe Davis. So he's one of the patrons. He runs the uh, Generations of Hunt podcast, but he had an extra pass and. Uh, ended up getting Aaron on the mountain to shoot and we were supposed to shoot, but it ended up being like a huge group. And <laughs> so it just, you know, it, it was yeah. one of those things, uh, you know, and like I, I think the way that you were doing tack in the past was like try and go up for a day and try and get it all in. And, you know, you kind of outlined yep. the, the three days of like, what, see how we do it up there. And it's, 
it's a production, you know? <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much to Joe. I, I greatly appreciate that. I didn't have any plans of shooting other than, you know, I was going to bring my bow. My plan was to hang out with you guys and the latitude guys and shoot some content in their booth all day Saturday and, and pictures and everything. And Joe, you know, I hit you up and you said, yeah, somebody might have another pass. Then Joe hit me up and got to meet him. What a solid dude. He is uh, an awesome guy. And he's like, yeah, here's, you know, unless I gave him a hat and he's like happy camper. And I'm like, dude, I couldn't, couldn't thank him enough, you know? So thank you. Shout out to him. Yeah. So, I mean, we didn't really get to, you, we talk a little bit and you were telling us about the content stuff that you had out. And I guess we'll kind of start off with that. I mean, you and I've talked about like kind of where we want to go with this podcast and, you know, for, uh, one of our listeners, Jason was kind of sitting in the room. It was me and you and Greg and, and David Riley having like a, real candid discussion and Mm -hmm. uh it was just a great great conversation but um you know you just put out a video on your youtube and i think that's one thing that aaron does really well you know he was up there he said he was shooting content he's doing stuff for latitude like all this stuff and you know we're just out there drinking beer and shooting arrows and stuff and like (laughs) we're like i took like two pictures like it was just a, a poor display but um but yeah so let's talk a little bit about the video that you just put out and then we'll lead into kind of what we're doing. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It's my Ohio deer that I put out. Uh, I talked about it today. Um, I just shot an an intro on my podcast. that's going to go live tomorrow uh, as we record this. I don't know when you're going to push this live, but, um, we did a podcast of attack on my podcast with a couple guys and, and I, and I talked about it in the, in my intro and I can't think, first of all, I can't thank all the people, listeners, people that watch the the episode and just like all the positive feedback, you know, I mean, you, we get, you can get a lot of negativity and, um, I shot that deer uh, as a full frontal. Um, and a lot of people were, I thought we're going to come out of the woodwork with the hate. And I did get a few, but I was pretty impressed by like podcast listeners, like loyal guys that stepped up and didn't have to by any means and kind of put those people in their place, which was kind of nice to see. But I want to say thank you to everybody for the outpour of like just positivity, um, talking about the hunt. And obviously the deer was a, was a really big deer, but besides that, like just the, I don't know, the positive outcry was, was really refreshing. Um, I was hesitant about putting it out at first, but then I'm like, you know what? It's how it happened. You know what I mean? And I'll never take that back because I had full confidence in my gear. I had full confidence in what I was doing with my shot and everything. And, um, I don't know, first and foremost, I just had to say that. So (laughs) I wanted to get that out there. Um, but yeah, that, that hunt, you know, you and, you and David and I, and there were some other guys, I think John was, John, was he in the room? That uh, he, was too? Out, and, he was outside. Yeah. So we were just BSing and you asked me some questions about, about public land. Um, I, I think this is where you're wanting to go with this, right? Is that conversation we had eating lunch that day. Yeah. But um, I mean, so, so the deer that, 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 uh, you know, Aaron's talking about, if you haven't seen it, like what did that deer score? Uh, he scored 170 in, in, uh, two eights as a typical 10. And y- you killed that on some private ground in an area that 
you found on your own. It was a, a, a lease or something, right? Like, so go, go into that, like how okay. you, you figured it out. Yeah. So, okay. To go back a little bit on this, this is a lease piece of ground. Um, I've been on this lease quite a bit, never hunted it really, but I filmed on it, um, filmed some guys on it. And there was a piece of ground in this lease that was never touched. It was, I mean, if you can think about big rolling hills in Ohio, it was down in Ohio, um, these big up and down hills with big valleys. And, and I mean, when you're going down some of these hills to go down in like these crevices, like they are like, you're sliding down hills basically. And the year prior, so it would have been 2020, uh, I was filming Casey and he shot a deer and we tracked this deer forever. Uh, we tracked him through this piece of ground and it kind of opened up like the land of the unknown in a way. Like I've never been over there nothing. They've never been over there. And it was just like, all this sign was just like hitting us right in the face as we're looking for this deer. And I'm kind of taking mental notes, you know, and not really being like, Oh, I get to hunt here next year or whenever. It was just like learning. I mean, when I look back and I was just like learning, like, why is this sign here? Why is that there? Well, while we were doing that, I found this particular bench um, and it just had sign in it. It just felt bucky. That's the best way I can describe it. And it was just in passing, literally just walking by it. And I'm like, man, just like kind of like a sixth sense kicked in. It was just like, this is like a pretty cool area. And fast forward to this year. So I had a trip for 11 days to go down there. I was going to be there from October 25th for like 11 days, whenever I could. That's what I was dedicating my Ohio season to. And so I get down there by myself and uh, it had just rained for like two days. And I wanted to get in and just kind of see where the scrapes were on October 6th morning. I just wanted to like kind of do a as Johnny Eberhardt would say, like a speed tour. Like I just wanted to go check a whole bunch of scrapes, start deploying some cameras, just gear up for being there for the next 11 days. Um, so I started checking scrapes and some areas that were known that I've been in and nothing was just like, there were scrapes, but nothing was like hitting me in the face. Like this is, this is where I need to be. And it kind of triggered. And I was like, man, I, I, I want to go check that bench. So I had Quentin Brown from Illinois. He was filming me. And I told Quentin, Quentin's never been on this farm at this point. We had just met the day before he was a freelancer coming into film. And, uh, I said, you know, we found this bench last year and I said, I want to go look and see where, like what it looks like. And we walk over there and it was just like the Holy grail. My whole goal like in this speed tour was try to find the most concentrated deer sign in one area that I could just a highway, just an intersection. I just want to find, it could have been four scrapes and a couple rubs. It could have been eight rubs. It could have been something. It could have been four trails intersecting with some topography. I just wanted to find the most concentrated deer sign that I could. Well, when we walked up on this bench, there was like eight open scrapes. There was like 11 rubs and they were all within a 30 by 30 yard, like little triangle, basically it was a triangle. And the best way I can describe it is, is like, so like you got the triangle like this and it's, it's here. Well, this part was a complete drop off where deer could not come up or so they could not go like this. They couldn't go 
left to right. Okay. They could only come up here or here. And they had to go like, they had to come within this 30 yard pinch. Well, right here was this big outcropping, this big rock. So they had to go around the rock this way or this way. So my goal was to set up on this side where I had to shoot deer come from here or here. So it had to like, had to funnel them right by me. And when I found all these scrapes, I'm like, this is, this is just it. Well, I had a Northwest wind that day. And that was like the deciding factor where I had to set the stand as well. I actually wanted to be next to that drop-off. I wanted to push it to where deer couldn't get behind me, but the Northwest wind would have been kicking my wind over the bench where all the deer would have come. So it made me have to get on the other side. So I get on the other side. I knew it was iffy, but like you hear like guys like Justin Hollins were talking about just off winds. It's something that's new to me, honestly. Um, and it's something that's kind of tricky to learn, especially when you throw thermals into these, this hill country stuff that's new to me as well. It's really weird when you throw like milkweed or something or a puffer. And it's just like, you see your wind going every direction, every three seconds. Well, I told myself in the stand, I told Quentin, we did a hang and hunt. So basically we find all this to sign and I told him we need to leave. We need to go get a bite to eat. We need to get the stands and come back, hang it. And we're going to hunt it. And my goal was to ride the hole in that. As long as I had, had good wind, it's going to ride the hole there, just monitor cameras. And that was going to be my spot. Like I just knew it was one of those spots that I was like, something was going to probably happen there in the next 11 days, I would think. So we left, snuck out of there. I figured all the deer were in the bottoms and we were kind of, to we weren't on the top. We were kind of a, a military crest from like the very top it was just basically if you have a big hill and it plateaus and then it goes right down to the bottom we we're on that like plateau that that mid-range i felt like we were just far enough off the off the bedding where we weren't going to blow any deer and up above us was all crop fields all the neighbors bean fields so i figured we had a good situation we're kind of in the middle here as long as the wind would cooperate so we leave for like an hour and a half, come back with the stands and I start hanging the stands. We get in the stands and um, what you didn't get to see in the video is because Quentin couldn't get a lot of footage of them, but we're sitting there. We get hung up or get set up and everything and do my interview. And it wasn't like 15 minutes later and Quentin just goes buck right underneath of us. And I'm like, oh my God. And then you just get that moment, like don't move, you know? And I'm like, how big? And he's like, I don't know. All you see is antlers. I'm like, I mean, he's already on us. Well, what he did is if we're sitting in this triangle like this, he came up from this way like this and my wind is blowing here. Well, he snuck up in behind us and all of a sudden I see his tines come out and it's just like a, I don't know, he's probably 110 inch, 100 to 110 inch eight pointer. And he just kind of works out and then he gets our wind and kind of blows off. Well, Quentin couldn't get any film of him, So that's one thing he couldn't see. So we're sitting there and, you know, I'm just like in awe, like, because I'm kind of on a vacation in a way, even though I'm working, it's like, I'm, I'm away. Like, it's just a beautiful night. The sun's going down. You know, I have no idea, idea what deer is on this farm. I do not know what made it through nothing. Like there, like, this is a total shot in the dark. And, um, all of a sudden I, 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 I stand up most of the time. I hardly ever sit down and I'm kind of glassing and Quentin is getting 
shots of me, like real time shots, like B roll stuff. And, um, I'm kind of looking as, as we're sitting here, I'm going to go back to this description here as we're sitting here, the bench is here. I'm looking down this way, down in the bottom. And like, I pick my vinyls up and he's filming me. I didn't realize he was filming me and I, I just see tines and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, that's a, obviously a buck. And then I see his G2 and I immediately go shooter buck, like big, big deer. And I look up at him and he's kind of looking at me, giving me this, like, you know, like this look like, and I'm like, dude, did you hear me? Like, seriously, there's a buck right there. And he's like, oh shit. And he looks over and he can't find it. And, uh, the, the buck is like parallel on us. So if we're sitting like facing this way, he's kind of like going up the hill like this. And, um, I go to my bag and I grab my bleat call and I put it on my seat of my stand and I grab my bow. What I was going to do is if that he, he was going to keep going, I was just going to hit him with a bleat and just get him to turn, see what kind of mood he was in. And all of a sudden, as I'm going to grab my bow, that's on opposite side of the tree. I have to come around the tree like this to get behind me. Quentin goes, here he comes. He's coming right now. And I look up and he's already at. I don't know, 45 yards coming. And I'm like, Oh, he's, he's coming to check this bench. I immediately said to my head, like he's doing what I thought these deer were going to do. And he's coming up to check these scrapes. And I mean, he comes to 30 yards and then he gets to 20 and he stops and he's like in some brush. And I knew I had to go to full draw because once he clears 20 and these trees in front of me, he's in the wide open. And I'm, I have no cover on my tree. I have to like be able to be at full draw to whatever way he moves. I got to be able to, to shoot him. And, um, he's, he's wind checking and what's happening is I'm at full draw and the wind. If I'm at full draw this way, the wind is hitting me kind of like this and he's coming from over here. So it's just off. You can hear me on there say the wind's hitting him in the face, the wind switch. And I could feel it on my neck and he's just wind checking and I'll never forget it. You couldn't hear it on the film, but when he, when he's sitting there just looking, doing what big deer do, when he turn, when he decides to walk, he just lets out this and I'll never forget it. And when he ends, he's at 11 yards and he kind of like does this and he can see my sticks on the tree and he's looking halfway up my tree. And then he goes and right at me. And then I just, I hit him a little higher than I wanted to. I was actually aiming a little lower than, but I was so high. I hit him right below the white patch and he ran to 52 yards and that was it. <laughs> that was, that was the end of her. And, you know, to kind of go back to the, the climbing sticks thing, I always try to set my sticks in the direction where I don't think the deer are going to come. And it seems like they always come that way. <laughs> so he caught my sticks. But when we were talking there, you know, you had, you had mentioned, you know, cause I, I know I've, I've listened to you and we've had some conversations about you wanting to hunt on public. And like when you were, I think it was when you were going to Iowa, we were talking about whether you were going to hunt on public or private. Um, cause you'd never killed a deer on public. And, uh, right. you know, one of the things that you said there at TAC was that, um, that you said, well, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I've kind of already got my Super Bowl ring, so I can kind of sit back um, like that. You, you kind of had have had the culmination of everything, and it was 
I think that's something that we don't hear very much only from the, the sense of, you know, most guys, I mean, even like myself, like, so I've killed that deer that I killed, you know, green scored like 150 and some change. And <laughs> well, but I, I don't, I just, I'm kind of in the same boat where I'm just like, I don't feel like I'm going to kill a bigger deer than that. Like, you know, public land, Ohio, that's just, you know, it was just like, it was, wasn't because of my skill. Now on the other side, I think that y- you read the situation, everything went like according to plan. And so when I go out and I hunt, I'm hunting against myself. Just, you know, I want to prove to myself that I can do it. So I get to an area and I say, I think that there will be less pressure here. I want to see what deer here. I'll find some deer and then I'm, I'm fairly certain that I can kill one and, and whatever it is, it's, it's just what it is. You know, you can't kill one fifties if they're not there. And so, so for you, you're going to end up being like a guy that's going from private to, to public, which I think is a lot of like my listeners are, you know, guys who are either just getting into it or are, are hunting small tracks and they're, they hear all of this talk about public land and, you know, everybody going out there, you know, and you got the Greg Litzinger's, the Dan Infaults, the Andy Mays, the, you know, these guys that, you know, on some level, Jake Bush, that uh, they make it sound so easy and they oh, make it yeah. sound very, you know, magical, like to go out there and to, to do it. Um, but for you, you have like the the opposite side. You have, I guess, if we are playing devil's advocate, the must be nice. You know, it must be nice to have a lease in Ohio. <laughs> you know, it must be nice to have a farm yeah. in Iowa. Um, so, what's it going to be like? Like, what's your thought? Well, first of all, let's talk about the public land thing because, like, you're from Michigan, also. Like, I didn't grow up until I started doing the podcast or like really listening to podcasts, even knowing about public versus private or anything like that. It was just like, you had a, some hunting farm or you, it was, Oh man, public land, because it was always, you know, kind of like gun hunting, like public land, sick, scary, you know, there's, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's orange army and bullets whizzing past your head and you hear all the horror stories. So like when you were growing up, like what was the, the hunting climate culture and, and, and the whatever surrounding public land? Yeah, I'm, I, I come from the same boat. Like when I was growing up, man, I, you know, I knew of public land, but it, we never called it public land. It was always state ground. It was always state land. You know what I mean? It was never called public ground or public land, you know, and right down the road from my high school is a huge public land swamp, state land swamp. They call it uh dead or huge swamp. Sorry. And like, I, I never, it was never a thought to me that I could hunt public or I needed to hunt public. I was fortunate enough to my, on my mom's side of the family, my great grandfather had this property. Uh, it's 218 acres that is kind of been handed down. Um, and I'm the only blood relative still left to hunt it. Um, and I've been, my dad's hunted it. Uh, since the seventies and he still hunts it. But as far as blood goes, like I'm the only blood relative that still walks on that property and hunts it. And I always hunted that. That's where I cut my teeth. We have a deer camp there. We have a cabin. Like that was my deer camp. I never had to like, and even my friends, like I don't ever remember my friends saying, 
yeah, I'm going to hunt public this weekend or I'm going to hunt state land. Never. Like it was never, we all had private land to hunt or permission or something like that. So it was never a thought until like you said, like literally, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm probably in the same boat within the last five years is when I kind of heard like this big public land thing. And, um, you know, maybe that's why the Western bug hasn't really hit me because that's all it is out there is public. And it's like, you know, it's, I just don't, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it was never a thing that I needed to do. Um, now it's something I want to do because I've never done it, but like, you know, it was never something that my family had to do because we always had private, you know, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of the best way I can describe it. Yeah. And, and I mean, it was a little different for me because, you know, hunting with Frank and, and, uh, those guys and, and, you know, up at our cabin in Baldwin, it's all, like you say, state land. So, but I didn't ever, it wasn't ever like this or that. It was just like, all it was, was hunting. Like you're just yep. going hunting. Yep. Oh, you're hunting on state land. Oh, you're hunting. Like, oh, you got 10 acres. You got 40 acres. Like must be nice. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like, <laughs> yeah. like yep. kind, of, kind of that thing. And so, um, but it goes back to the the conversation, you know, so for you, we are used to checking out these, these giants, or I, I think you said, you know, at that, that lease, you said you were going to shoot the first 130 that stepped out. Like, yep. how, uh, how does your, how is your mind transitioning to like hunting on, on public this year? And have you like, uh, even since we've had that conversation and you've obviously had more conversations since then, cause you, you said you had a conversation either today or yesterday about the same thing. Like, are you ready to commit to do it? Because that's, that was one of the things it's like leaving fish to find fish, leaving deer to find deer and the, and the yeah. deer are there. Right. Yeah. You know, and you asked a question that kind of, when we were at TAC and we were just sitting there bullshitting and, and eating lunch, you kind of asked me a question that I haven't been asked. And it's, well, I shouldn't say I haven't been asked, but you kept pushing farther than I've been pushed in that, like, not a bad way, but almost like in an uncomfortable, like, oh, I've never really been asked that. You know what I mean? So like, it was always the conversation I had was why leave deer to find, or yeah, why leave deer to find deer? Because every spring for the last five years or four years, I'll say four years, probably I've went and scouted public ground around me. Um, I've walked it. I've e-scouted the shit out of it. I showed you my onyx, dude, it would, there's freaking pins everywhere. But when it comes to August and behind my house, I've got a It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I I don't even want to say a big deer, but I'm just going to say a shooter deer because let's First and foremost, I want to tell you the first 110 inch deer that comes by me, I don't care where I'm at, other than out of state, I'm talking about Michigan in particular, it's going to be hard pressed for me not to kill it. I'm just still there. Like those deer still make my skin crawl. Like I love it. 
So like, it's not like a, I shouldn't say it's not like a big buck thing for me. It's just, I'm still holding on to that. Like it's a little, it's easier. You know what I mean? Like, but also on the flip side of that, I'm to a point in my life where you've got a family, I've got a family. My time is pretty limited. My wife's a nurse. She works 12 hour shifts. So it's like, you know, two weekends out of the month, I'm a single dad. You know what I mean? Not to say I can't go get a babysitter. It's like, it's like the old adage. I don't have time to work out. Well, you can make time to work out. I understand that. I get it. You can get a babysitter, but it's like for me to go hunt public, the closest piece of public to me is about that. I, that I would deem like even reasonable to like hunt like that I would like really enjoy hunting is about 40 minutes. So let's say I'm going to go do an evening hunt. Okay. On a Saturday, I have to leave at noon, you know, and then you're trudging back. How far I'm, I'm, I'm going to sound like the must be nice guy. Here. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of shape up that way, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> hunting for however long getting out of the timber coming home, being home at 10 o'clock at night or so when I can go to behind my house, if I want to be sitting at three, I can leave at two 30 or my family farm. that's 15 minutes away. I can leave at, you know, this time and I can be home at eight o'clock or nine o'clock instead of 10 o'clock. I just feel like my time is more efficient in doing stuff around here. Now, with that being said, my goal, okay. My goals have shifted over the, like, like you and I talked, like I said, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I feel like I've won my Super Bowl with a couple of deer that I've killed and it's all goal oriented. However, whatever your goals, your goal might've been to kill a 150 on public. You accomplished that. That is, that's an unbelievable accomplishment. It really isn't. Don't let anybody tell you it's not because not a lot of guys can do that. And my goal was since I remember was to kill a gross booner with my bow. Like that is my goal. And I was able to do that. And when I hit that, something happened to me, something happened to me where it was like, man, there's a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. And I try to like figure out what that weight was. That weight was, I'm a very competitive person, not competitive with you or anybody else. I'm competitive with myself that if I don't meet a goal, then I'm a failure. And when I made, when I, when I did achieve this goal, it was like, like the first one, the Iowa deer, you know, I did it on in Iowa. So it's like, I feel like people downplayed it a little bit because it's in Iowa. That's just an Iowa thing. I feel like it took away a little bit from it. And I was also with Casey, you know what I mean? So I feel like a lot of people were like, oh, he hunts this Cush property in Iowa. What a lot of people don't know is that that piece of ground I found, Casey and I found, paid $500 to lease it. Yes, it is in Iowa, but it's not like I went to an outfitted hunt or not that I'm against that, but, and I did the work for that, you know, and then fast forward to Ohio. I was by myself. I did all that myself. And yes, it was a lease again. 
I get that. I did all the work with no preconceived, didn't know that deer was there and was able to do it again. That was a huge confidence boost that I can do this, you know, that I can do, I can set out just about anywhere and probably, you know, be successful on a deer on a buck. Um, doesn't, I don't care how big it is. I think I'm just rambling now, but I guess what I'm getting at is I feel like I've accomplished enough to where I can finally be like, well, you don't have to go out your back door and kill a buck behind your house or at your private ground. Like, I feel like I can get rid of that a little bit and take the time and dedicate time to go do the public. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to accomplish this goal before I go do the public goal. And I did that. So it's like, okay, now, now it's a bonus. Let's go try something different. You know, um, I actually had this conversation with my buddy the other day and he told me, he's like, he goes, I don't know how we got on the conversation, but he goes, you're a guy that he's like, I feel like I can put you anywhere and you're going to go kill something. I'm like, man, I, I don't feel like that. Like I don't, you know, there's guys I look at like the Andy Mays. Andy May is, I look at him and I'm like, it's not if he's going to kill a buck this year, it's when, and it's how many. Like, you know, but does Andy May feel like that? I guarantee he doesn't, you know, um, I don't know, man. It's, it's, I needed to achieve that to move on. And I still am like grasping. I had four bucks behind my house this morning and I'm like, oh my God, like, I can't wait. (laughs) You know, well, let's, let's like Dr. Phil this thing. Let's, let's break it down. Cause I mean, you got a wall full of huge deer. Now you got a couple booners on the wall. Um, and you have already said that the first 110 inch buck that you see in Michigan, you're going to lace them. Right. And you're just oh, yeah. going to throw his skull in the box in the garage no, no. <laughs> and you're going to just tell your buddies about it, you know? So it, it's like, it, it's like to me, it, yes, it, it is the must be nice. And, you know, I, I guess I kind of look at it like, a, and I see guys that, um, that are around here and, and they're, you know, some of them up at the tall archer challenge there that that's what defines them. Right. Like if they don't tag out, then it's a failure of a year, you know, and, and they'll, they'll come up with any reason to, to justify, you know, what they did or, or whatever. But it's like, one of the things you said, you, you mentioned Andy, Andy may, right. You said, when he told you that he scouts four times more than he hunts, that it, it blew your mind. Blew my mind. But, you know, he's the guy that you look to and says, not if, it's, it's when, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the way that he operates. So, it, that goal, I mean, is the goal, and if you're competing with yourself, is the goal inches? Or is it just like proving that you can do it? Like the Dan Infault way, which is, or that Greg Litzinger is another guy who's like, I'm going to do it in the most ridiculous, difficult manner possible, battling it out because I'm on an even playing field with everybody else who's doing it. And you, you know, you, you guys, you, you went out, you found a match set of, you know, it was going to be a great deer in Michigan here. And you're like, 
you know, that's too far to drive. I'm just going <laughs> to go out. <laughs> my, my buddy find those. I, did, I don't want to say I found them. My buddy found those. My buddy is doing a ton of, I mean, he's put in over a hundred miles on that public this year. And I went up with it there with him and it looks unbelievable. It does. And to, <laughs> I like how your doctor feeling the shit out of me right now. <laughs> um, uh, I don't, I need to preach or I need, I need to take a page for my own book because I always tell people you got to be un, or comfortable being uncomfortable. And it just goes back to that. It's like, I'm comfortable with this stuff that I've been doing for the last 22 years. You know, I'm comfortable doing that. But the thing is, is like my Illinois deer last year, I didn't set foot on that farm until five days before I killed that deer. Like, how was that? Even though it was private land, how was that even, how was that not uncomfortable? Well, so let's, but let's reverse engineer that one. Right. So how did you do that? What did you do to kill that deer? As far as like Intel and stuff like that. So that, that farm is a buddy of mine's farm. He, so he owns an outfitter in Illinois and my father-in-law and my uncle or his two brothers wanted to do an out-of-state hunt. And I'm like, I've got a spot that you can go because he, Ben, my buddy runs a great outfitter. He's a super good dude. And it's like a good hunt for them to go on just to like get their feet wet. You know what I mean? They've never done it, never hunted out of Michigan. So when I had a book with Ben, Ben calls me up one day and he's like, Hey, you sent me three guys. Why don't you come and hunt with me? And I'm like, I appreciate that. But I said, I kind of want to do like a DIY. If like, you'd let me hunt one of your farms. Like I want to like hang my own stands. And he's like, consider that done, whatever you want to do. He's like, I got stands on this farm, um, but kind of do, do with what you will. And so I was you know, went down there. He had cameras out uh, and he would share Intel with me throughout the summer. Cause I couldn't get down there. And there was a couple good deer on that farm. There was one deer in particular I was looking for. And I saw him, um, night number three, I think I saw him just a glimpse of him. And then it was one of those things. I was just like, I had, I got a picture of that deer again, two days later. And I went into a spot where I think he, I thought he'd show up again. And then the deer over my shoulder walked in and I was like, Hey, I'm a bird in the hand, like, you know, and, but here again, like that was too, like it was comfortable, but it should have been uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Now that I look at it, it's like, well, that that's where I'm going with this is like, how is that any different from setting a couple cameras on that public? and then getting a good day, walking in, finding the sign and getting up a tree. I think it's because in my head, I don't feel like the caliber of deer I want to go after is going to be there. So, but I mean, this is your, I think that's ridiculous. Um, I know. Well, because like, so this deer right here behind me is a hundred and, five inch deer <laughs> you know yep. michigan public i killed his twin the year before that's a 110 inch you know he's got a little bit bigger uh 
threes or whatever, fours or whatever they are. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't do that. This deer walked out and I was like, I'm going to kill him. You know, yep. it's like, I'd never seen that deer before. I didn't even know that deer existed. I didn't know he was alive mm-hmm. and it was walking into a spot and like, this deer looks to be the deer that you would kill on your farm or, you know, right in that class where he, you know, you might have to make a decision on him, but tell me that you do that exact same thing and you walk onto that, that public in an area where you think that there's going to be a deer, you know, where you should be able to kill a deer, where the big one would be. And if an 85 inch eight point walks out on public land, you know, you could prove to yourself right there that you could do it. Or if it's a, so, the same, same age class 10, you know? Well, and it, it goes, I just had this conversation two days ago, kind of. And a buddy of mine was like, you know, cause we're David Riley and I are going with the latitude guys and Kevin Vistason and those guys up to Gaylord hunting public this year in October. And David and I were talking when we were driving up to tack and he goes, he goes, uh, you're going to shoot a big one up in Gaylord. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like, I don't. And I physically, I told him, I said, if a legal buck comes by, I'll probably shoot it. Like, but I did put a stipulation. It has to be a six point. It's got to have six scoreable. <laughs> like I, I, I don't want to just go up and shoot just a, just a milk sucker. Like, <laughs> um, but like here again, like what you, what you're saying is like, like I have, you know, I've built that confidence wherever I've went, except for the public. And like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's it's uh. It's an uncomfortable situation. <laughs> isn't that the point? I mean, isn't that what challenging is yourself point. is? It is the point. It is. And that's like, it just, it, in my head, when I sit here and I'm thinking about it, like, I know I can do it. Like, I, I know, I know enough about deer sign and deer movement and where to be to get an encounter or to get a shot off at a buck. Like, I, I know I can do it. I, I think where I have a hiccup is where I see, with the exception of Annie May, I see the Greg Litzingers, the Ryan Glitzkies, the Johnny Berharts, or the Dan and Faults that are putting stupid amount of hours and days in that I can't put in. And they're squeaky, they're like, they're getting bucks out of there. And I'm like, oh shit, if I don't have that much time to dedicate to this, Am I going to be, is it going to be the juice going to be worth the squeeze? You know what I mean? Like I don't have like Ryan Glitzky is scouted 150 to 200 miles so far this year on public. And I'm like, I've done like 24, <laughs> like I, I'm just trying to fabricate excuses. I get it. Yeah. So, so no. you're saying like, if you got to the magic number of a hundred miles that you would be you'd be I don't there know, i don't know if it's so much that but i look at greg like he's another one of those guys that like to me he's just elite like greg is not if it's when he's gonna kill a buck you know what i mean but he's going in on kayaks and he's going in five hours before crack a day and he's and i'm like i just i don't hunt like that 
like I hunt how I hunt and it works for me, but is it going to translate to, to a piece of ground that everybody and their brother gets to hunt? I don't know. And that's what scares me. I'm saying it sounds like you're scared. I mean, it, I'm a little of, scared. I mean, it, it, like it's intimidating, dude. I've done podcasts where I ask guys at hunt public for the last five years. I've done, I've done podcasts where I ask guys, like, how do you, how do you walk up to a piece of public and you're looking there and you're like, this is not intimidating at all. Like, even when I go scout in, in, in spring, I'm like, this is a beast. Like this is, and I just start chipping away and I find buck beds or I find, you know, transition lines or I find this and that. And I, I mark it and then it comes to time and I'm like, well, now not going to do that. Well, I'll tell you, this is like, you'll never, and it doesn't matter where you're hunting or who you talk to or whatever, like, Again, until I started podcasting or listening to podcasts, there was never like a observation sit or like work your way in there. But you'll never know what those deer are doing, you know, until you actually sit there in the tree. And if you don't commit to sitting there in the tree, and and I think this is a great podcast, uh, especially for like the new guy or the guy that's like that is moving to public or you know that they just lost their family's property and they're they're moving to to public, you know, here we've got, you know, a, a guy that's got, you know, a million antler, inches of antler laying around his house and he's got, you know, all of the ability in the world. He's just outlined two different situations where he went in and killed on the first day. And then it was like a couple days in, walked into a spot where he thought the deer might hang out. But that second one, you sat there and you watched and you saw and you made the move. And it's like, you can second guess yourself. I think the only thing that you've said that I can actually get behind is that the deer <laughs> that, that you want to kill might not be there, but, but I agree with you, but there is deer there though. There right. is deer that I would kill there, but I just don't know why in my head. It's just like, it's telling me there isn't, I don't know. And I, this might come across as like an, an inches thing. It's not. Like literally the first six point that walks by me on public, mark my words, is getting an arrow through him. You're going to see a picture of me happy as a freaking clam on social media with this buck. And it's going to probably be one of the most rewarding deer I've ever killed. You know, I still go other than my Ohio deer last year. I still go back to my, the first buck that I killed significant buck that I killed <clears throat> where I felt like I was doing something. It was 2009, <clears throat> 2009 on the piece of private, my family farm that I've hunted. And I went in there on a, it was my first like ever, like kind of hang and hunt, like move in and, and try to kill a deer. And it wasn't. It wasn't a specific deer, just trying to move to a different area. Read the sign like I thought, like it was a it was a transition line, a hard edge where cedar swamp meets uh, an oak ridge, and this 105 inch eight pointer comes out, and I blitz him, and he runs 23 yards and falls over dead. First buck I've ever killed on camera. My brother in law was filming me, and you would have thought I killed Mark Drury's 200 inch deer. Like, you know, that was in I a rewarding deer, but I go back to that deer 
when I'm sitting there after I kill them and I ask myself the whys, like, why do you do this? Why did I do that? That, yeah, that, that deer taught me more in 35, 40 seconds than I learned in probably three years and how that deer moved through that area, why I set up where I did, yada, yada. Same thing with this Ohio deer. I mean, if you really break down, like if you go back and watch that video, when he stops at 20 yards and he's just like looking off, licking his nose, he's trying to get the wind right. Like he's trying, he, he knows what he's doing. He needs to go about 30 more yards to get behind me to check these scrapes. And he just met me. So it's like, it's the confidence. I lack confidence in that because it's uncomfortable bottom line. So for, for your listeners, for my listeners, like what's going to break you out of that being uncomfortable, that fear of public land, that big, bad ghost of like that monster of property. Um, just doing it. I've got a buddy that is pushing me every day, literally every day. Um, he just went into that piece of public yesterday. I think it was yesterday, Father's Day, and kayaked back into this island, this three acre island, Dan and full shit. Like it's, you know, and he's like, This is dynamite, sending me videos, sending me pictures. You need to be here with me. Like he's get like, trust me, I'm getting it. <laughs> and I'm giving him every excuse. <laughs> but it's um, you know, it's just gonna take me doing it. You know, it really is. And it'll happen this year. I mean, not even just the Gaylord stuff, like this piece that he's been scouting and I've been up there, like it'll happen. You know, I'm gonna go in there. I already know the tree when we scouted it in the in this in the spring. It was the spot that I was like, my Ohio spot. It was like the Bucky spot. Like, and I told him, I said, I'll kill a buck out of this spot. Now it's just me getting up there and do it. <laughs> but I don't know, man. It's, it's, um, I think it's just going to come down to me doing it. And once I get, once I, I feel like once I get up there and sit one time, it'll all be good. You know what I mean? I don't even think I have to see deer. I don't even think I have to, I just got to get out there, physically make the movements to get out there, hang in a tree and just be there. And I think the whole switch will flip. I honestly do. So like when I talk to new guys and uh, there's one guy that, you know, he's one of our uh, newer patrons and he, he got to shoot with us uh, up at TAC and there was a bunch of lewd and lascivious uh <laughs> comments and things uh, you can't twelve them you know what to do <laughs> yeah yeah 100 percent. um but you know he was brand new and uh he's saying this is a couple of years ago i've been talking to him but it's like when you're when you're out there you know you have to have the little wins right so it's don't forget anything then get up the tree quietly and then like for you and i i think this is like for me, every time I go into a new spot and I hang a new set, like, and it is on, on public land, like you never know who's going to be in there or what your, you know, guys or, or whatever. But I think for you, what it will be is like when you get up in there and you get set and you see that first deer, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, 200 yards away and you, you, you pick up some movement and you pick up the binos and you see it. You know, first of all, you're going to be asking yourself the why you're going to be looking at the wind, you know, because you're already at that level of hunting where you're going to be like, 
okay. Like now I'm dissecting I, it. Now, now I'm in the game. But then once you get that first, and I, I, I love the does. Um, and it, you won't get this luxury probably, or the deer won't <laughs> at, at that pace. But like the little bucks or whatever that go by, and you know, in your head you're like, he was so dead. You know, and you're just sitting up there just, and, and, but that's just, for me, that's like a confidence booster, you know, because it's like, you know, having never gone into a property or spent all the time, put all the pieces together, and then it works out just the way you wanted it to, but it just wasn't the right deer. It wasn't, you you know, it was, you know, too late or too early, like just before light or, or, or whatever. But I think for you, that'll be the, the moment where you're like. I can do this where it all becomes comfortable again. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And like I said, it's just going to physically take me doing it and just, just making the movement to do it and, and go do it. Cause like I said, it's, I'm comfortable with the property. I've been on it enough. Like I shouldn't say enough. I've been in it. Well, I have been on it enough for me to be comfortable with it. I've got a plethora of pins for stand locations. And I have notes in my phone of like, okay, when I get to this tree, this is this, and this is that, and this is where this is at. And this like, yada, yada, yada. Like I have notes to the nth degree of like, like I know what to do. I just need to go do it. And honestly, like I'm super excited about this year for the fact of like being like saddle hunting again and i know it's like the thing probably guys don't want to hear because i know there's so many like anti-saddle guys (laughs) and it's just like oh he's just chasing a chasing a a whatever you know and i'm like i used to saddle hunt and i saddle hunted 10 years ago and like i got out of it because 10 years ago there wasn't information about saddle hunting unless you know unless you read on the hunting beast or, you know, some forum or something that Eberhardt might've wrote in a book, like there was nothing on it. Um, but being able to like be lean and mean in a way like David Riley, I, I we've, we've mentioned, mentioned him a couple times. He is a minimalist. He doesn't take a pack in with him. He takes a stand and sticks in his bow and binos. That's it. And I'm like, dude, how do you do that? He's like, well, first of all, you gotta understand, I don't film. So he's like, you automatically have film gear. And I'm like, okay, I get that. But like, what about a knife? Or what about uh, a flashlight? Or what about, you know, I started rattling off those things. He's like, I was like, where are you putting those? He's like, I don't need them. And I'm like, and it really got me thinking like, my pack is like 25 pounds. Why do I need all this? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, uh, for me, convenience is king. So it's like, if it's going to be just a little too much out of my comfort zone, I won't do it. Like, it's just, you know, so it's just one of those other things of like really dialing back my setup and my being efficient where it's like a saddle is going to be super efficient for me. Like I'm trying to figure out how to get rid of my backpack right now. Like I've been spending the last week of like, how do I but I go back to like, I want to film. So it's like, you know, how do I be a minimalist and still film? That's where I'm kind of trying to do it. Um, 
So like, that's another thing is I'm just really trying to hone in on my efficiency and, and not being like, well, I'm not, I'm trying to make it less hard for me to make an excuse. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, uh, I got a podcast idea. I'm going to do a podcast here probably next week. Um, kind of on this subject a little bit, but you know what you're talking about with all of your pins and everything on public and how you've, you know, where you say you just got to do it. Like you sound like the guy that's like, like the gear junkie, the guy that like has to have his arrows perfect. That has to have like, he spends all summer, like, like weighing all of his stuff and looking at all of the gear and all this stuff. But then every time you call him up and you're like, Hey, you want to go hunting or have you been out? And he's like, Oh no, you know, this is wrong. Or I couldn't do this or like that. And it's like, I, I saw the same thing, like riding motorcycles. Like there was guys that like had bikes, like, but it was cool to have a bike, but they didn't like, like to ride it. Like it was like, they had one. A little scared of it. <laughs> but they like the image of it. Right. And so it's like, I, I feel like that's kind of like where you're at with public is like, you're, like you said, you're trying to f- figure out, you're trying to, now you're trying to remove the, the reasons not to do it. But it's just like, I think it would be really cool. Like I, I, I scouted the shit out of it. And you're talking about all your family time. Like, where was your family when you're scouting this public? Like, <laughs> Like just go out there and like spend time with them in the off season and right. scout your way in. <laughs> well, and you know, here, here goes another excuse, <laughs> but like, so, I mean, with my job as well, like traveling. So in September this year, I'm going to be gone. I wouldn't say the whole month of September, but almost the whole month of September. So like, it always seems like when I want to like, okay, so this, this Gaylord trip is the October 6th through the 10th, I think, or 5th through the 10th. If I was to be gone, and this has happened numerous times, if I was gone on a work trip for a week leading up to that, where I'd be getting home and then be like basically changing my clothes for a day or two and be like, all right, I'm off for another five days. That's really unfair for me to do. And like, so I try to, like, I try to make it where, you know, where it's like, I'm not gone for 10, 12 days or two weeks. And it's like, okay, you're going to leave and go, you know, two hours North after you've been gone in Kentucky for two weeks. Like, no, you're not doing that. Like, I get that. Like, it's pretty unfair for me to do that. So I try like, that's another kind of hiccup that's in it. And like I said, my wife's a nurse, so she leaves at five 30 in the morning, doesn't get home until eight. And then it's like, if I go hunting, my mother-in-law can watch my daughter, but it's like, yeah, but if I don't get back home until 10, her bedtime's at eight, I want to be home. So my wife doesn't have to do anything. She just worked 12 hour shift, you know? So it's like, it's kind of, it's the stars have to align for me to be able to do it. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not trying to blame this on my wife or anything like that. It's just, it's n- nothing that she did. It's just the way our life is. Like, I think if I've got I had a, name a regular for this podcast, is Aaron can't hunt public because of his wife. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's make the t shirt. Let's run it. <laughs> no, it's, you know, if, if I feel like if I had a normal nine to five, where I go in at eight or nine and I get home at five and I've got every weekend or it's the fact that I travel quite a bit already 
that is kind of hindrance, you know, it's, and I put it all on myself. My wife never says anything, you know, she's, she's never been the wife. Like, really, you really like, she doesn't do that. She's an awesome wife to be honest with you, but it's always me like thinking in my head, like, it's pretty unfair for me to leave her. And then after her five, her find a babysitter when I'm gone hunting, you know? So, but here it is another excuse. So you can just name this podcast, (laughs) this excuses for public land. (laughs) Let's fabricate excuses. Well, I mean, I feel like you got one thing working in your favor is that on the weekends, that's when everybody's on public. They don't call them weekend warriors for nothing. So, I mean, you, you spend the weekends with your family and you hunt, you hunt on a Tuesday through Thursday. You're, you're nine times ahead of everybody else. I mean, well, that's right. And that's something I told, yeah, that's what I told my buddy too, that he's the one really trying to get me on the wagon there to, to go up and do this. And I told him, I said, I'm not going to hunt public on a weekend. Like it just, I feel like I feel that's just dumb to me, I guess. And I could be very blunt and straightforward on that, but I'm like, that's when everybody's out there doing it. I want to be there on like a Tuesday, you know, or a Thursday or a Wednesday. And that's where my schedule does like, it does lend itself to, to do that with my job. When I'm not traveling, I'm sitting at this computer editing but like, what's cool about my job is the flexibility. If I have all my stuff done, like they don't care if I go hunting, you know? So like I could leave on a day that my wife doesn't work and she knows she's, you know, she's planning on being home all day with my daughter when she's out of school and everything. That's I'm fine. I can go, you know? So it will happen. You know, I, I, what, what I'm really doing here is this is all just a big like buildup to like just me doing it. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what I'm, that's what I'm here for. That's what I, we're trying to, we're going to work through this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're my, you're my, what do you, what should we call you? You're like, uh, you know, a, a hunting, hunting psychologist is what yeah. you are. But I, I mean, I think it's super helpful because like, you know, in our Patreon group, we, I have a lot of guys that, you know, they're, maybe they're adult onset hunters. Maybe they don't have like a hunting camp, a hunting group, and they don't know how to get out and break down public or, you know, they're just kind of like dabbling in it and they kind of make excuses on why not to, I mean, everybody does. Right. Oh yeah. And like yeah. The, there's a, there's a Chris who was up at, uh, at TAC who was staying with us, you know, he'd uh, maybe hunted public a handful of times. And I, I said, Hey, you want to go with me? And, uh, I thought he was going to, th- well, I did at one point make my brother-in-law throw up coming back um, <laughs> from the the track. But, you know, halfway through this cattail marsh with all these deadfalls and stuff, he's like, I got to take off some of these clothes. Like, how much further? Like, that's, ah, you know, we're about halfway there, you know. But it's, it, it doesn't always have to be like that. But it's like, when you decide you're going to you know, try and find deer and try and break down an area and, and try and find somewhere where people aren't, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I just think it's so much fun. Like, because I feel like in a, you have a, a good a situation with your neighbors and, you know, all of you guys are kind of on the same program. And, um, if you didn't hear Aaron's podcast about 
his uh i think it was a big six point that you killed last year like you'll see how his community works together um but it just seems like you know i might get permission on you know 10 acres here or 40 acres there but it's when there's a house on it and then there's a barn and maybe they got you know uh, horses or something like it becomes really small really fast and oh, yeah. with, with a bad wind and if you only have one day to hunt you know that's one thing that i took away from a lot of these guys and um you know brandon egan is a michigan just murderer and like he's like i'll I'll go somewhere if the wind's wrong. I'll just pack right up and go somewhere else and just scout around and walk around. And I think once I started doing that, I got, I became so much more, I saw a lot more deer. I won't say I became more successful, but I've seen a lot more deer and I covered a lot more ground, but it's like to your point, right? So if you coordinate all that shit to make it so that you're going to hunt on that day and your, you know, your wife's got the the baby and all this stuff. And then you get out there, you drive the 40 minutes and then the weather app was wrong and the wind's wrong. Like, what do you do? Right. You know, do you turn around and drive the 40 minutes back home? Maybe you just drive up the road or you find another access point and come in where the wind's better. And you might see something, you know, that you, you overlooked because you always thought, well, the wind's always from this way. I'm only going to hunt it on this wind where right. it don't work that way, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and I know in my head too, like I'm a student in the, of the game, like just like everybody else is, I don't know a ton about it, you know, about hunting in general. Like I know some, like I, I always tell myself I'm a below average deer hunter that gets lucky every once in a while. Like, when I, when I had a three hour, three hour conversation with Andy May at TAC, it was like, you know, some of the things that he just like utters is like, or mumbles is like, dude, like you're just on a different level. Like you're a different breed of animal. <laughs> like he is, you know, he was like bred to do it. But like, I think the reason why I, like I've been successful, but I think the reason why I don't feel like I'm anywhere near those guys is because look at all the different stuff that all those guys hunt. Greg Litzinger, Annie May, Dan Infault, Johnny Eberhardt, like just to name those guys, they don't hunt their same 200 acres every year. Like they might hunt the same piece of public, but they've got 15 different pieces of public or, or knock on door permissions or something like that. I've literally in Michigan only have ever hunted two pieces of property in my life, my whole life two, And I feel like I'm hindering myself because if I go to a piece of public for even a week or try to hunt it for five days, I feel like I'm going to learn way more way more because in five days and I'm going to, and maybe a whole deer season because of the different terrain I'm going to, or, you know, I'm going to encounter. Like when you go to my family farm, I've got a couple of cedar swamps. I've got some oak ridges and a clear cut here. I've got swamp. I've got cactail marsh. I've got islands. I've got conifer trees. I've got oak ridges. I've got, I've got everything. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like the reason why those guys are so far ahead 
is because they've just had more diverse encounters. Does that make sense? Like they're just out there doing a lot more different things than I am, you know? Yeah. It just makes me like, it kind of gave me an analogy when you were talking about that. And it's kind of like, first of all, that's like, that's wild. Like only do I've hunted two different properties. It's crazy. Like even like hunting with your buddies, like just go here, go there or whatever. Mm -hmm. Just that's interesting. But it's, but like what you're saying, like makes total sense. Um, just uh, because like if you lived on a golf course and you only you were a scratch golfer and you only ever played that one course and you knew every blade of grass and everything on it and then somebody invites you to go play another course and you like just shit the bed you know yep gentleman's 10 every time um i mean of course you wouldn't go play you'd say no come over and play on my course you know where it's where it's comfortable it goes back to that that being uncomfortable thing and like when you talk to andy and 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 Greg for sure, but but Andy, he says he wants to be good at all of it. You know, I mean, you think of Andy maybe as one of the tethered guys, but when you actually sit down and talk with him, you know, he still hunts a lot. He's, I mean, and if you think about like uh, Zach from the Hunting Public, like when you talk to Zach at his core, you know, he says he would rather see him first. Because he says that takes 90% of it out of it. He says, mm-hmm. if I see the deer, I don't have to find him. I don't have to worry about where he's at if he's going to come by. He's yep. like, now it's it's me and the deer, you know? And I think that's one of the things it, that most people, when you said, you know, Andy, the things that he mumbles or whatever, like, will never comprehend. Like, like regular people aren't on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like to your point it's the challenging yourself and like getting out of that comfort zone and so i guess what's kind of switch gears here as we kind of wrap this up like how you're you're kind of coming at this from like a new hunter perspective a, a little bit um, i am yeah so you <laughs> seem but you know, maybe not. Maybe it's a show um, that you're pretty in- kind of intimidated by by public. Um, and so, how do you? What do you say to guys who maybe haven't had the success that you have, and they're trying to switch over to public? And they're like, they they get the exact opposite out of this podcast that I, that I wanted to get out of it. They're like, shit, if he's that good of a hunter, you know, if he's killed all those deer and he's, he, he doesn't think he can do it. Like, how can I do it? Right. Um, man, I just, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to a question that Jake Holfer asked me. I was on the excess podcast a while back and he said, when you, after doing a podcast for so long and having all these good guests on, what is the biggest thing you've learned? And, the, and what I said was the biggest thing I've learned that has changed the way I hunt is how to adapt in different situations and be okay with messing up. Like you got to be okay with screwing up, which I am. Like I used to be not okay with messing up. Like I used to be to the point where like I would walk on eggshells, like literally just no leaf is going to crunch on me when I walk in. Like I did not want to blow deer, but 
um, now it's like just, I don't know, man. It's just like, it. I'm still I like, I don't know why it intimidates me. It, well, I do because it's just, I haven't done it. That's why, you know, it's just me. That's just human nature. You know, just humans get uncomfortable in different situations. Um, so what, what was your question again? What would I say to the guy that? Yeah, that, that that's that's listening to you and saying, man, if he doesn't think I can do it, what makes me think I can do it? Like, wh- like let's say that this podcast was completely different. We were just talking about hunting and we were saying, mm-hmm. okay, here's a new guy headed out. Like what – what is the 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 major thing that you would that you would say could be a confidence builder or like to to say that you know anyone anyone can do it be okay with messing up be okay with a tag soup like does that make sense like be okay with going in a situation like have an have an open mind as far as like you could set a goal for yourself, but don't, don't like try to, don't try to do something that someone else is doing. Don't look at like a Jake Bush going in on October 1st and killing 170 inch deer on public and being like, I'm going to do that. Like that is, that is what's going to intimidate you. That is what's going to tell you. You can't do it. Don't look at me and see the deer that I might have on my computer screen and be like, think you're going to do that. Like, just go do you and do your hunt, get out of it. What you want to get out of it. Um, and you'll, you'll be happy. Like, like, I don't know, man, it's, it's, I, I always go back to what I used to see Lee and Tiffany do on TV with these lush food plots and these lush, like killing big deer on these things. And it's like, I need a food plot to kill a big deer. I'd grow a food plot and I don't even see a deer on it. And it's like, what the hell? Why didn't it work? Well, a lot of situations didn't work because I don't live in Iowa and I, you know, and probably don't enter the stand. Right. And the deer aren't here that I want to kill. Yada, yada, yada. When I started learning to forget, like that is pure entertainment peer entertainment when i started like taking little tidbits of like what the hunting public guys might do or what a greg litzinger might do or a heath cisco or ryan glitzky or andy may might do and i start implementing that in the way that i know might work for me or i try and it doesn't work or i try and do work that's when i like really started morphing my hunting style into being confident and what I can do. The biggest thing that the biggest piece of advice I ever took, and it wasn't directly to me is when Andy may said, I scout three times more than I hunt. When we were at tech, I asked Andy face to face. I said, how many times did you hunt last year? He said, 13 sets. No, I'm sorry. 13 days. He hunted 13 days. I'm like, really? Well, I only hunted 13 sits last year. And I had the year I did. And People like I've got a buddy that hunts every night, every night of October, November. He's got a job that allows him to do it. And on the weekends, he hunts every morning and night. He kills deer, but it's like I'm not a volume hunter like that. If I was a volume hunter like that, I would get I'd get burnout. So I would take these little things 
morph them into the situation that I would fit good with me. And it's, I've been successful. So I guess it's a long winded way of saying, just don't be afraid to try new things. Don't be afraid to do you and what the next guy is going to say about it. Who gives a shit what he's going to say? You know, the, I, I, hopefully that answers your question or what you're looking for. I felt like you were, t- you should have been talking to yourself right there. Like, I think I you know. need to just play this back and say, <laughs> you know, once you hit like, you know, September 20th or something, you need to just hit play on the last <laughs> five minutes of this podcast. <laughs> and you've done- well, I'll tell you, dude, all that stuff though, I, I implement that in what I do every day, hunting private. I do, but it's just this like public land boogeyman out there that (laughs) something, man, I'm just afraid of the dark, I guess. I don't know, but it's just something that like, I think I honestly think it's a little bit of me doesn't want to fail. Like a little bit of me doesn't want to go up and try something and fail. And that's, that's okay. I think, but it's getting to the point where like it is taken over my thought process because I want to do it so bad, so bad. Like I want to go hunt public so bad, but then it gets to that August time. And it's like, well, I just start falling back into this rut here. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. We'll try it next year. It's all good. You know? Well, isn't the real failure never starting? See, I knew I shouldn't have came on this podcast (laughs) with you. So hey, you 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 miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So sixty percent of the time, every time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Isn't that what we were trying to get in uh, at TAC that that audio clip? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Hey, so you have to before we get off this, you have to give me something. We got to make a bet or something. So I have to stick to it. Okay, it's got to be on record. Well. Let's it see doesn't even have to be a bet. It's just got to be. Uh, so I don't know. Just, just killing a deer on public. I don't even know if it has to be killing a deer, but maybe it's you got to sit five times on public or something. You know, it could be little wins. You know, little wins. Okay. Okay. We don't have to do it right now. I don't have to put you on the spot, but I just wanted to do it on the record. Yeah. Yeah. We will certainly do that because, like I say, I got this podcast coming up and it goes right into that it goes right into that and uh, <laughs> i love it and i'll tease that uh for the for next week's podcast perfect um aaron i really appreciate you uh coming on taking the time sitting down and doing this i know we've had a couple podcasts before but it was great sitting down having a beer you know having a, a meal and and hanging out at tack and um you know, I really appreciate you even coming up there. You know, you're like, oh, I'm going to try and make it. And I'm like, well, yep. you know, whatever you need, do you just come on up. And, you know, you took me up on, uh, on some of it. But, uh, you know, I just I, I appreciate the the relationship, you know, the mentorship, you know, I bounce having somebody to bounce questions off of and all that. So, you know, for anybody who's been under a rock and hasn't been paying attention, like where uh, can people find you and follow along with everything you're doing? Yeah, anywhere you can download a podcast. I mean, you and I both run the Waypoint Network, so you can go to Waypoint and you can listen to us there. Um, Apple Podcasts is where majority of my listeners go to. Just search The Fall Podcast. 
um, Spotify, the same thing. Those are my two biggest ones, you know, where they get downloaded the most. Um, Instagram, you can go to social media, the fall podcast or Facebook as well. TikTok, if you're on TikTok, I really hate that I'm on TikTok, but it's the way of the world, I guess. It's the necessary evil. <laughs> so yeah, that's me. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, sir. Thank you, man. Appreciate it.